If you do any type of client work as a copywriter, an agency owner, a freelancer, or a business coach or consultant, one of the most effective tools for turning prospects into paying clients is the discovery call. Now, a discovery call is typically something that people offer for free, and it's an opportunity for you to talk to your prospect one-on-one, find out exactly what they need help with, identify if you can help them, and more importantly, turn them into a paying client. Well, my guest today is online marketing strategist and conversion-focused direct response copywriter, Amy Posner. Amy is a certified copy hackers conversion copywriter and a Dan Kennedy certified copywriter in information marketing. She's also a coach in the copy hackers 10x freelance copywriter and masterminds. And on this episode, Amy and I do a mini deep dive into running an effective discovery call. She'll give you specific tactics and tips you can use to get more out of these calls and more importantly, turn those prospects on these calls into paying clients. I know you're going to love this episode. It's packed with a ton of golden nuggets. So set back, grab a cool drink and enjoy this episode of What's the Secret Podcast. Tired of being at the mercy of your job? Tired of watching your hard work fill someone else's bank account? Want control of your time and lifestyle? Well, if you want the real secrets, the gurus won't tell you of how ordinary people, just like you and me, can create thriving businesses that deliver financial and lifestyle freedom, you're in the right place. Aloha. My name's Tom Gaddis, and welcome to What's the Secret Podcast. Aloha, and welcome to What's the Secret Podcast. Amy Posner, how are you doing today? I am doing really well. How are you? I'm doing good, you know, getting a little hunkered down here in the, on the little island. But, uh, you know, other than that, everything's really good. Nice being able to work from home, right? Hasn't really affected my schedule that much. Yeah, it's the best. I've been doing it for years. In fact, I have some funny stories about the old days working from home, but before it was cool. <laughs> before it was the end thing to do, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> Well, awesome. Well, I'm, I was super excited to have you on the show because I know, uh, one, you're, you're a really top-notch copywriter. I know you had some involvement with the people over at Copy Hackers a little bit. I get your daily emails and I love them. I, I think they're great. And so I was really looking forward to have you on to, to talk about you know, some of the things that you cover in your emails and then just sort of wherever else we head. So maybe before we dive into that though, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about Amy, like where you started, how, how you ended up here, how we got on the podcast, all that stuff. Yeah, sure. I mean, I'll, I'll keep this, the long story really short because it is a really long story. Um, I, I've been in business for 30 years, which is sort of shocking to me at, at this point. Um, but I, I guess, you know, in some senses, I've been a serial entrepreneur. Um, I've bought business. I mean, bought business. I've started businesses and sold them, um, started other businesses. The interesting thing though was, and the businesses were, were different types of businesses. I started in, um, computer consulting and ended up in, you know, in graphic design and topography and copywriting. But through all of those businesses, I always did the copy and the marketing. I loved it. I just loved it. I just naturally gravitated toward it. And then it started, you know, over the years, people would say, oh, can you help me with this? And can you help me with that? And then I um, ran the National Copywriting Center for a while in the 90s. And eventually it was just like, you know what? This is actually what I like best. 
um, the copywriting, but also the high level strategy that leads to the copy that, that actually converts. So it's like, oh, well, why not just focus on the thing that I really love doing? So um, that's where I am these days. Although I also teach and coach other copywriters, like you mentioned, through Copy Hackers and also through my own programs. So that's, that's part of like sharing the, sharing the wealth in a way of, you know, all the things I've, I've learned all the, over the years and helping some, some of the newer and younger copywriters avoid some of the, the headaches and hassles that I went through. Oh, that's awesome. You know, one thing you said there that I wanted to get a little more uh, info on is, you know, you mentioned you always did the marketing and the copywriting, right? And so I've had a, a couple of different uh, copywriting oriented guests on the show. And it seems like uh, sometimes I have different views on as the business owner, do you feel it's an advantage to do those things yourself? Or do you feel it's something that's like, you know, you want to get some help with along the way? You know, it, it, mostly my answer is going to be you're going to want to get some help. It, most people are just not as good at, is it, good at it as they think. And I hate to say that. I mean, it sounds really negative. Um, but there's two factors that come in. Most people aren't as good as they think because everyone thinks they know how to write, right? It's like you don't run into that with design, right? If you're a designer, people are like, you know, they bow down to you because it's all so mysterious. But we all were taught to write in school. So it's like, hey, I can write. Um, but there's so many rules and so many psychological principles that go into copywriting. Um, and some people love it. I mean, they just love it. They want to write it for their own business, but there's some great copywriters out there who will do collaboration um, or like I'll copy chief things and tell people how to improve it or, um, you know, make sure that it, that it actually converts. But I think on the whole, um, you're better not to do it yourself because the other thing I said, there were two things. I only told you one. The other is it's really, really hard to get perspective on yourself and on your business. And very often the hot points and the pain points that you think are really relevant are not necessarily the ones that are relevant to your customers. And an outsider has a way better chance of coming in and discovering that than you probably ever will, even if you do what the outsider does, because you're an insider, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes total sense. And that's, that's actually a really great point that I hadn't considered is you get so wrapped up in just putting out the thing of whatever it is you're putting out. It's very hard to see the forest for the trees, right? And you typically miss things that are really going to resonate with your marketplace. Yeah, you miss things and you often mistake the thing. Like, and as, especially as companies evolve, like, you know, your, you know, your unique selling proposition may have been really relevant five years ago, but it may not, you know, your company and your product may have evolved and the competitive market space may have evolved to where your message is no longer relevant. But you don't necessarily see that because you don't, you know, you just don't have any perspective. Yeah, I could totally see that. Yeah, well, that's awesome. Well, one of the things I wanted to kind of do a little uh, sort of a mini deep dive in on with you is because I know you mentioned you work with a lot of copywriters. You do a lot of coaching with those people. And I'm assuming these are copywriters that are looking to get clients and do things like that. And I know we have a lot of listeners on, on what's the secret that are freelance type people, maybe not necessarily copywriters, but you know, maybe they're graphic designers, maybe they're digital marketers, SEO, social media people. And one of the things that I get a lot of questions about when it comes to that is, you know, what one is whether to do some type of a discovery call with clients. So that's the first thing. Should I do one? Like, should, should that process be automated? Like when I'm talking to the client, should the deal pretty much be closed? Or should I have some kind of discovery call to, to um, most people use them to close the client, right? That it's a, a process. So I, I thought that would be a great topic for us to talk about. Maybe your thoughts on, 
I mean, should people be doing those discovery calls? And if they are doing them, maybe like what are some pros and cons? And then if they are doing, what are some techniques and things from a copywriter's viewpoint and angle that would help them to make those calls go smoother and for them to have more success with them? Yeah, great questions. And you may have to prompt me on, on some of them is because I, so I don't go too far down the rabbit hole um, on anything. But I'm a, I'm a fan, and, th- and this goes for any kind of freelancer and probably any kind of business person, but I'm a big fan of getting on, doing a discovery call. And, you know, you asked, well, you know, like, should, should everything be qualified first and you're just sort of closing the deal? I think there's some qualifying things that you should and can do before you hop on a call. I mean, you don't want to, you know, your time is your your time is your asset, right? When you're in a freelance business, that's that's your most valuable asset. And you have to be really careful about guarding it because it, you know, it gets eaten really quickly. And so you don't want to be spending your time with, you know, with no fit, you know, or or poor fit prospects, let's call them. And so so I, you know, and, and people do this different ways, right? There's some people who are getting like inbound leads from cold marketing, some people are getting them from organic traffic and maybe a form on their site, or maybe that, you know, paid mark paid traffic is going to, to that site. So, but typically most people have some point of contact before they're talking to someone, either that's a form on the site or maybe, you know, an email pops into your inbox, you know, about a project or, you know, a scope or a price or whatever. Um, it's really, I mean, if you have a form, obviously you can ask some very specific questions, including, you know, even a drop down menu, a budget and, and that sort of thing. But if it comes by, if, you know, the inquiry comes by email, what you want to do is pop back and ask some of those things like, you know, like, hey, Tom, great, you know, th- thanks for reaching out, glad to hear you're, you know, excited that you're starting this new initiative, so tell me, like, what, you know, what do you see needing, and, you know, do you have a budget for this, and, like, tell me a little bit about what you have going on. Um, I, budget may be, like, you're, you know, maybe a little bit down the list, because you don't want to look like all you care about is what their budget is, even though initially that is one of the big things you care about, because that's a real decider, like, yes, take the call, no, not a fit, you know, send them elsewhere. Um, it's also good to mention budget because so many freelancers and, and I think business people in general get really cagey around the money conversation. It gets scary for people. Um, but when you bring it up, you know, it's a pro move and the clients know that you're a professional, right? Cause they, you know, they expect it, it has to happen. So I think it's good to just like get over your angst about it and just like and ask people, so like, what's your budget? You know, do you have, do you have something you want to not go over or stay within or like, Hey, let's just talk about it. Everyone knows this is one of the, the things. So let's like, let's get that out on the table. You know, I think it's interesting that you mentioned that, that talking about budget sooner rather than later, because I, I believe in that too. Like, and it's very, uh, it was very uncomfortable for me to do that. Right. When I was, especially when I was growing my agency to get over that fear. And, you know, you find like, you ask that question, like, do you have a budget for this? And then you can almost feel the client on the other side or the prospect, like, they don't want to tell you, like they're dodging the question. Um, do you have a particular way that you kind of I don't know if the right term is like soften them up to provide that information. You know, I do. And, and sometimes I'll, I'll just ask flat out, like, you know, so do you have a budget? And, you know, and then you can feel that like, and also, so there's, there's a couple things I do. One, time, one thing is I caveat it. I'll say, look, I know this is an uncomfortable question. And you think if you say 10,000, I'm going to like come in at nine, 990. Or you know, I mean, not nine nine thousand and not, you know nine hundred ninety. You know, or you think if you say five, I'm going to come in at six or four fifty. I say it's not really about that at all. I just want to see initially if we have a fit, and I might say something like, you know, I have a project minimum of you know eight thousand dollars. So you know, if if you're thinking to spend five, you know, I probably need to point you in a different direction. And I just I just say it very matter of factly. It's not you know it's not about whether you like me or I like you. Or it's not personal. It's just like this is 
how it is. The other thing that's really helpful, and I call it the, like the ballpark float. And what it is, is you get, so you're in the conversation and maybe you've asked them that question and maybe they've evaded it and they haven't answered or, oh, I don't really know. You know, I haven't, I don't know. I haven't done this before. I don't know what it costs. I have no idea, you know, all the ways that they'll evade you. So what I'll bring it back is once we've had the call. So for me, the point of the discovery call is to find out a couple things, you know, what do they need or what do they think they need? Because it's not always what they actually need. And kind of like, what do I like? You know, are they, are, do I like them? Are they nice to talk to? Do they have a sense of humor? Um, and then the final check is like, you know, do I, is this something I can see myself like having on my brain for a couple of few months, right? Like it's got to be something I have, you know, at least some interest in. And I think that's true across the board. I mean, if it's something that like, you know, makes you, you know, get your hackles up, you're probably not the best person to work on the project. If it's something where you're going, wow, that's cool. Um, you know, you might want to get in on it and it'll be, it'll be something interesting for you. But what I do at that point, so once we've, you know, we've kind of gone through the call and, you know, they've said sort of what they think they need and I can get a sense of how marketing savvy they are and how open they are to, to expertise or if they think they know it all, which is a little bit of a tricky situation for me personally. Um, and, and what I'll do is I'll say, so, you know, Tom, last time I did a project like this, I came in around 8,500. Is that about what you were expecting? So it's a really easy way for, for me not to be so direct about you, but to get a sense of what you're willing to spend. Because right there, people will answer you. They'll either say, oh yeah, that sounds about right. Or you know, they'll go, oh my God, that's, a, you know, that's twice what I, what I thought. Or, or they're secretly thinking, oh, I thought it would be twice as much. This is great, keep talking. <laughs> right. But you know where you stand. Yeah, well, I think there's a couple of really great things about just the way you framed all that. One, you came across as super authentic right? You're not trying to be, you're not trying to be shady with the, right? We're just being upfront on it. Like this is just business. This is just the way it is. This episode of What's the Secret podcast is sponsored by Offline Sharks. Offline Sharks, where website designers, social media experts, SEO professionals can get custom software tools and training on how to quickly scale and grow their digital agencies. If you're looking to build reoccurring revenue into your agency and go from one to two clients to six figures and beyond, Offline Sharks is the place to do it. So head over to offlinesharks.com forward slash Tom and start growing your agency today. And I thought another thing that you mentioned there too, that I feel like really separates a professional like yourself from other people is that, you know, you, you mentioned, you know, getting a sense for what they're like. And I know when you're, especially when you're first trying to start any kind of business and it involves clients, like a client calls and it's like, I mean, I remember I used to, I would almost kill myself trying to answer the phone. And then it's like, I'm just desperately hoping they say yes. And that really hurt, right? Like you have to like flip that around and be like, look, you're just as much interviewing them as they are interviewing you, correct? So, so, so true. And I think, I think it's a really good point of confidence too for freelancers. It's like, you got to value your work and you have to, you know, you have to be able to sort of stand up for yourself. And I think that's hard for all of us right? I mean, we're all brought up like, don't brag about yourself and don't be, you know, all of these things that suddenly you get into business and it's like, you better brag about yourself because who else is going to do it, right? Yeah. So you, so you need to talk about your business. You know, the other thing that's really interesting that, that, that you mentioned, it's like the reason that it's professional is because people expect you to talk about money, 
right? I mean, that's, you know, when you're making a business deal, that's one of the key components. And so sometimes like I'll even bring it up and say something like, oh, hey, you know what? We've talked about so much. We haven't talked about budget. That's really important here. We better, look, we better see if we have a fit there before we go any further. And I mean, I'll, I mean that's very true. It's like, oh, you know, I, I got all involved and I forgot to like, you know, figure out whether we can take this any further. And I think, I think when you do that, people respect you because they, they get that you're serious and that you respect yourself and your own business. So um, I never, I've never been a fan of fake it till you make it. But, but in this case, I think you have to just, you have to sort of suck it up and just go, okay, this, this is what I have to do if I'm going to be, you know, run a profitable business. And it may be hard the first time, but it gets easy. It gets easier for sure. Yeah, definitely something that you improve at the more you do. It's just, you just have to do it, right? There's really no kind of shortcut, shortcut way around it. How, how long do you typically, like, do you have a time limit that you shoot for with discovery calls? Like, or do you try to keep them at a certain? You know, I don't. So I used to do um, an initial discovery call that was really short, but now I try and do that all by email and just sort of vet them and make and like, see like, is this someone I want to talk to? And if they are, you know, I'll, I'll go up to an hour on a call. I mean, I don't love to, and it's a big chunk of time, but I mean, you know, often people are spending, you know, twenty, thirty thousand $30,000 with me. They, they deserve an hour of my time to like tell them what, you know, what I see and, and what can happen. And it feels like we're, you know, we're developing the relationship. Um, I feel like it's an investment and I take, I take my customer service and my sort of my, how I interact with clients really seriously to me. It's sort of part of the, I know it's part of the package that I offer. And so what I find too, and this is, you know, well, what I find too is that I can, I can close people. If I can talk to them for a long time and we're a fit, I can, I can make them see the value of what I bring to the table. And I don't care if that takes 30 minutes or 60 minutes, you know, it's not, it's worth, it's worth every, every minute of it to me to, to build that relationship or to feel it out. Cause even if I decide, you know, at the end of 60 minutes, it's not a fit. I've probably just saved myself, you know, months of, of angst and, you know, worry about doing something that I really don't want to do that I just took on because I wanted the money. So. That's a great point. You know, another, another question I had about the discovery call itself is like, I know maybe some people have this kind of, their sort of, um, their resistance to do these types of calls is that they're going to get on these calls and people are just going to want free information, right? Without, signing the deal. How, how do you navigate those waters? And do you have a hard line of, of what's like, okay, I'll talk about this to this point, but then it's like, okay, this is the cutoff. Yeah. So the cutoff for me is often like the why and the what, but not the how, right. Which I think is a really good way to, to sort of reel people in, in anything, like whether it's a sales process or in content, it's like, you know, I'll give you a lot of the information, but I'm not going to necessarily tell you how to do it. So like if I'm talking to a client, you know, I might tell them like, okay, so here's what I think, you know, I think we need a sales page. And, you know, and then they start going like, well, a sales page, you know, those are like, those are really long and people don't read. And I'll start, you know, telling them like, well, you know, people do read and here's how sales pages work and here's why, and here's how copy works and here's why good copy works. So what I'm trying to do during that time is sort of, um, not sort of, but I'm trying to demonstrate my expertise and show them, you know, what, what I know. But I've qualified them some before I get on. And, and I'll, I'll just say one thing here that might, that might be helpful for people listening. I find that earlier in people's careers, they tend to see the client as an adversary, 
right? They see this person as like somebody they've got to get something from or convince somebody, some, them of, um, of something, either their worth or their value. Um, and they're seeing them kind of as a checkbook, right? Like it's like, okay, you're over there. Like how much can I get? And I don't see it that way. I see it as like, let's have a long-term relationship with somebody who's a, who's a fit. And like you said, right? In the beginning, you just want someone who fogs a mirror. Who cares, right? You want to you get some points on the board. You want to like actually earn money doing the thing. Um, but if you're going to build a sustainable business, you're going to get more discerning. It's just, it's just inevitable. So I think, you know, once you learn how to run these calls well and you learn how to qualify, so you make sure you're getting on the phone with people, um, you know, who actually want to do business with you, you know, you might end up giving away some free information to somebody. I mean, you get, a, you get jerks everywhere. I mean, there's no, like, you can't jerk-proof your business. But you can almost, you can almost, you can almost, but not quite. So, I mean, if you end up giving something away to somebody, ah, you know, it happens. Um, but if you're discerning about who you talk to and how you talk to them and which conversations you want to be in, um, you know, if somebody wants to take advantage of you, you know, oh, well, so be it. It's, you know they've got to live with themselves. At least you don't have to be them. That's how I always think of it. It's like, oh God, at least I don't have to live in their mind. Yeah, that's a, that's a great way to look at it. And what would be like, what would be some specific uh, tips or idea? Like if there's somebody listening right now, who's, you know, been a little shaky about doing these discovery calls, uh, what would be some specific tips or the, like the, the must, the must do things that you would recommend they make sure to, to, to cover in those calls? So I actually have a course coming out about this and I teach something called the expert statement. And so there's a couple of pieces that you, that you get dialed in. So one is your expert statement and it's how you talk about your expertise. Um, Cause if you don't have it, that prepared, you end up going like, you know, well, I, I, I do, I do, I, you know, I do this and I do that. And you don't sound like, you know, you don't, you don't sound too impressive, but you know, your expert statement could be as simple as like, I was using sales pages as an example. I'm so, you know, Tom, that's actually um, one of my areas uh, of expertise. You know, and what I think sales pages need to do is like they need to like, you know, your reader needs to know right away that it's for them. And then you need to like create a, a story and create a journey and show them how their life is going to improve um, because of because of, of what we're offering. Um, and so, you know, and I've, I have found that, you know, and then I'll give some statistics, like some success that I've had with those things. So now you have a way to talk about yourself that doesn't make you feel like either like you're, you know, you're bragging or you're totally underselling yourself. That's all prepared. Um, I suggest people practice, uh, like find the question, the, the money and budget question that you feel comfortable with. Because, you know, if I put my words in your mouth, they're not going to feel like your words, but find your words for saying like, so, hey, Tom, what, you know, what's your budget? Or what, do you, what have you been thinking in terms of budget? Like find a way to ask that and practice asking it. I mean, the best thing is to practice and record yourself. It's mortifying. It's not fun, but it's, it's, you know, it's really one of the ways to get better. So the expert statement the money question, and oddly enough, the other thing I think is really important is that initial segue. So, you know, you get on the call and you're like, hey, how you doing? You know, whatever, you do your little chit chat. And then we say, so, you know, let's, you know, let's, um, let's talk about, um, let's talk about your, what, what you need here. And here's how I'd like to lay out the call. Um, I want to ask you some questions about what you need. I'll tell you like a little bit about me and how I can help you if I think I can. Um, we'll talk about timelines and budgets, and then if you know things look aligned, we'll take next steps. Does that sound good to you? And the reason that it's important that you segue off the chit chat and you be the one that sort of frames the conversation is because then you're in control. And what that signals to the client is if you can run a call, you can run a project. Because one of the big things about hiring freelancers that that freaks people out is they're going to hire someone unreliable. 
and they've got a potential outsider who's going to get inside information, but maybe a flake. And so, so it feels a little scary to connect with that person. And you also like, if you don't know a hundred percent that you can rely on that person, it's not really off your plate, you know, and we hire people to take things off our plate, right? It's like, Oh, great. If I got hire Tom, I have to think about it again. It's all done. It'll be done. Well, it'll be done on time. You'll get in touch with me when you need to. And that's, and that's something I'm worth pay, that's worth paying a premium for. So you want, to, you want to just establish that you're, you know, I mean, I hate to use the word boss, but that you're in control, that you can, that you can run, run a show, so chances are good you can run the show. Yeah, I think everything you hit there was like so right on because I know from, you know, our, my other business, Offline Sharks, I mean, that's a, a multiple seven-figure business. And we are, having somebody that's dependable is key. Like that, like we will gladly pay for that and keep that person on, even if maybe that they're not what you would think is the absolute best at the other things. But just knowing that they're going to show up and the project's going to be done is like 90 to 95% of the battle, right? Thank you for verifying that. Yeah, it is, right? I mean, yeah. is, doesn't that make the difference between who you hire and who you might hire again even? Yeah, I think so. So, you know, if there's somebody, if there's people listening to this call right now and you think, oh, well, I want to do this freelancing thing, but I just don't think I'm good enough or I, I don't feel like I'm as good as the other people I see. Like, I think you can overcome that by doing exactly what Amy and I just talked about. And that is being the dependable person that shows up and is the go-to person. Like that can overcome a lot of that and you'll get the experience and get better as you, as you go and grow. Yeah, that's huge. And I like, I like to say, you know, you can be the best copywriter in the world or the best designer or the best, you know, CRO person. But if nobody knows about you, you know, you're not going to eat very well. You can be pretty mediocre and feel good about talking to yourself and having these client conversations. And you can, you know, you can make whatever you want. And it's kind of ironic, but it's really true. I think people, you know, sort of write off those, like, I don't know if you want to call them softer skills. Um, but they, they really, 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 I believe, make all the difference. Yeah, I totally agree. Well, Amy, that was, I mean, that was awesome stuff. I, if you're listening to this episode, you should definitely go back to the beginning, listen to it again and take some notes because Amy really delivered some golden, golden nuggets on not only just the discovery calls themselves, but running a successful freelance business. Amy, where can listeners of What's the Secret go to find out more information about you and what you have cooking? Yeah, my site, it's amyposner.com, A-M-Y-P-O-S-N-E-R.com. Awesome. Well, I will put that in the show notes too for anyone listening. So you can go to tomgaddis.com, click on this episode. You'll see those links there. Amy, I really appreciate you coming on today. It was really awesome, really great stuff. And if you're listening to this and you enjoyed it, do us a favor. Amy would really love you for this. Go to this, this on Apple Podcasts, rate us, leave us a review. Let us know what value is here. We'd appreciate it. And uh, I will see all of you on the next episode of What's the Secret? Aloha, everybody. Once again, thank you so much for carving out the time to hear what was shared on today's podcast. If you found it helpful, then please share it with someone else. Just simply share the link or post it on Facebook and say, check this out. Really make my day if you did that. Also, make sure you subscribe if you haven't already so every podcast gets sent straight to you and you don't have to go searching for it. Again, my name's Tom Gaddis, and I'll see you next week on What's the Secret Podcast. Aloha for now, everyone.